0: Well, I'm glad you made it here this morning. If you're at home with us, I'm glad that you're tuned in because we're in the middle of what I consider an important series. Uh, We've been um, doing a series called The Speed of Life. And it's an admission that our lives are pretty busy. And a part of that is that we're also kind of constantly distracted. There are things in our lives that are pulling for our attention to influence and drag us away. By the way, I ran into another resource if this would help you. If you have Amazon Prime and you can watch watch documentaries on that with that, go look for the documentary, The Creepy Line. If it sounds creepy, it is. It's a comment made by a Google executive long ago about how they like to walk up to the creepy line but not cross it. But the whole thing is about how they cross it constantly and how it messes with you and I in the process. I think you would find that engaging. Um, See, the goal is not to find a way to not be busy. Jesus was busy. Jesus was busier than you. He had a reason for him to be busy. And the the purpose was there. But Jesus looked at that and said, I'm going to have boundaries I'm going to run my life busy when I want it and I'm not going to when I don't want it. And so we talked about last week how he chose on a regular basis to have intervals of solitude and silence. Did, did anybody try that this week? Did anybody give it a wing and try And least give some? Okay, good. I'd love to hear how that went for you. Uh, I did it as well. What I discovered was that because I've been doing this for a few months now, Five minutes went by really fast for me. I'm I'm probably in a place where 15 minutes to 30 minutes of silence is really refreshing and helpful for me. It's something I enjoy a great deal. And I'm going to try to find a way to keep doing that. I'm hoping that just the little five minutes that you started to insert into your life gave you an understanding of how helpful that could be to push back against the busyness, to push back against the constant distractions where we don't pay attention to God and we give our focus to Him in these little segments. Hopefully you'll find the value in that and this won't be a week-long thing, but you'll start to work it into your life on a regular basis. I hope that's the case. Today we're going to look at another ancient practice that's been around for a long time that Jesus used in His life on a regular basis as well. This one um, is a little more challenging. if And if I were to be um, honest about it, um, what, what I would talk to you about here, this is the least excited I've been in this whole series. And it's not because there isn't value in this. I think you're going to see the value easily. It's going to, you're going to go like, yeah, I could see why this could be so important. The reason... I'm not excited about talking to you about this is because there's a level of discomfort I have on the subject because I'm terrible at integrating this into my life. And it feels a little hypocritical for me to get up here and to talk about it when I don't have, when I don't have it down or at times not doing it at all in my life. See, what I've, what I've found is that there are times when I make decisions to speed my life up and one of the first things to go when I do that is this practice. And it makes logical sense to me when I'm doing it. This is just going to be a season, I tell myself. But what I've discovered is that even short seasons of a month, two months, three months, those make habits. And those habits can be really hard to unpack. And so there's this There's this idea that God talked about that if I want to do this, I would actually have to structure my life differently. You have to do that a little bit with solitude and silence. But you can find five minutes here, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here. When you're driving, you can do that. This is not that at all. And the reason it's hard is because everything in our culture kicks against it. So, you're going to stand out. If you actually practice this, you're going to be different than our culture. It's just the way it is. And I don't know if this helps or not, but this practice is also a command from God. For me, that's a frustrating thing because. Obviously, there's value in that. He must have thought there was value for him to put something, some weight behind it to say, I want you to do this. I don't want you to do this in a nonchalant way. I don't want you to do this when you can get around to it, Blair. I don't want you to do this when you can find a way to conveniently work it into your life. I want you to do this. And the fact that I don't on a regular basis is frustrating to me. What I'm talking about this morning is a practice of having a Sabbath day, a day where you rest, a day where God becomes central and His, um, His person, His, He gets all of your focus, He gets all of your attention. You find ways to engage with God, you find ways to engage with other people, you find the good things that God gives and you enjoy them, you enjoy them. It's it's an attempt to not necessarily stop you from having a fast-paced life. Jesus had a fast-paced life. It was an attempt to find a way to manage that so that you would have the ability to go fast. Jesus Jesus went fast often. He had the ability to do that because of how he managed his life. One of the ways he did that was this. Now, um, this idea of the Sabbath where you take a whole day to rest, it sounds fantastic, right? Who could argue against it? It's a great idea. Well, it's easy when your culture embraces it. Our, Our culture does not embrace it. It's easier when everybody else around you is doing it. And it's easier when your culture doesn't think that everything that you do has to be some form of production, and if you don't do it, you're lazy. It's why we compare busy notes with each other. How busy are you? I'm this busy. And we we talk about that like it's a badge of honor that I'm this busy. Why? Because that equals production. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm accomplishing. Look at how I've Use the life that God's given me. I produce, which is kind of odd because one of the central ideas of Sabbath is that God doesn't look at you for what you produce. He says, I actually love you because I do. I've given you value because I say you have value. You don't have value because you're a son or a daughter or a student or a worker or a parent or a spouse. You don't get value from doing those kinds of things. You get value from me. And I want you to unplug from all of that and just rest. Stop producing. Sounds fantastical. Sounds impossible. And yet... What we're gonna find is that Jesus practiced this on a regular basis. I wanna start there and show you that's the case. And then we're gonna talk about why I think it has become difficult for us to practice it and then what we're gonna have to do to find a way to introduce it into our lives. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, um, Jesus returns home. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He's spending time with friends, family. We don't know how long he's been there. But he's going to stay long enough for a Sabbath to roll around. And when it does, he's going to do something. They're going to record it. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. That was his custom. Now he's living in a culture where on the Sabbath day, especially in the Galilee area, not necessarily in other parts of Israel, but in the Galilee area, these were observant Jews, which meant... That if you cared about what the Torah said, you were following after that. So you didn't work, you didn't cook, you didn't clean, you didn't, you didn't do anything. What you did was that you could have some meals that were already prepared. You would eat with family and enjoy that. You would have um, a time at the synagogue where you centered around God and you made sure that he got some of your focus. You would spend time with your family and friends, kind of catching up, engaging with them, doing all of that. This is what Jesus is doing here. And it says that it was a custom. It was a custom. He did this on a regular basis, as did most of the people that he would have been around. It was a cultural thing. Their culture practiced this, which made it fairly easy for people to get on board and do. Everybody kind of shut down. Everybody was doing this. They would have they made a meal and on Friday night when the sun went down, they would eat that meal. Then they would go to bed. They'd sleep in late. They'd get up the next day. They would um, have some They would have some food. They would go to the Sabbath at the synagogue. They would spend time with each other. They would rest until the sun went down on on Saturday night. That was their pattern. What's a different way of saying custom? It was a habit. Jesus had a habit of practicing the Sabbath, as did many of the people that he grew up with. Can you see the value in that idea Can you see where it it removes you from production and it forces you to start thinking about relationship? How do I relate with God? How do I find a way to enjoy the goodness that God's given to me? It's a completely different kind of mindset. There's value in also engaging with the people in your life. God put them there as a good thing. And now you actually get to engage with them. And so the value of this I think, becomes a little more obvious. It becomes, hey, this is pretty simple to see. And yet why do we have so much trouble with it? Because we are so production-oriented. We are get stuff done, make the list, check it off, see my value in all the things that I produce, that being relationally focused is difficult for us. Maybe this will make it simple. I want to take you back and show that this was started with direction from God. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is in the Ten Commandments. This is one of the big ones that he thought was necessary for you to understand how to have a good life on earth. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I want you to have a different life, God said. I want you to disconnect from the pace. I want you to disconnect from the distraction. And I want you to set aside time to just rest. Rest with me, rest with each other. Listen, you want to know how radical this is? He's talking to a bunch of ex-slaves whose lives were about working seven days a week to produce a quota of bricks, you knew how much you were worth. It was this amount of work that you had to produce so that you didn't cause trouble for your family. You knew exactly what you were worth, and it was production. And God steps in to that situation and says, I don't want you to produce. I don't want your value to be based on what you produce. And here's the thing, well, I've, I've taught on the Sabbath before. I've taught on this verse. By the way, there's a whole lot more here that's said about it. That's, I gave you the, just a little bit and then he says a whole lot more about the Sabbath day before he gives the next commandment. But can I tell you my experience on teaching on the Sabbath? This is the kind of pushback I, I feel like I get. Blair, don't burden me down with rest Don't, you're burdening me with rest. And I've always been surprised by that response. Like, if you're asking me to do that, you've just made my life worse. Instead of finding a way to make it better. Well, that's not how God thought about it. I think the reason that we feel that way is I, I am old enough to remember when our culture actually did practice Sabbath. Uh, some of you may be surprised by that. But when I was growing up, stores were closed, restaurants were closed, there was very little to do, and, um, and on top of that, there were all kinds of rules in place about what you could or couldn't do. I would have friends come over on the Sabbath and say, Blair, come out, let's go play some football, which would have been awesome, would have been a great way to catch up with them, to hang out with them, to do that sort of thing. But we went to churches that said, any activity that you do is wrong. It's not Sabbath. And so I would have to tell my friends no and sit in my house the whole day doing nothing. And I'll tell you what happened. As I got older... I looked at some of the stupid things that they said you had to do in order for there to be a Sabbath day and I said, I'm not doing that. And I rejected it. And I think there were all kinds of people like me who felt like the Sabbath was forced on them, that it wasn't a choice that they were making on their own and they pushed back on it. And the pendulum swung to the other side to a place where now everything's open, there's no boundaries, all kinds of things happen on this day as any other day, and we fill up our lives to the rim. Is it just me? Or have you found that that's been the case? See, what I think God had in mind was that we would find a way to enjoy Him That we would find a way to enjoy his goodness. That we would find a way to slow down from the pace of life that we have so that we could actually breathe and be the kind of beings that God had in mind for us. That we would stop being constantly distracted and that he would get our attention. And because of that, our relationships would be deeper and stronger. And yet... All the rules that our society had started to pile on and it killed the Sabbath. And we swung to the other side and got rid of it. Here, I want you to know this, though. All of those crazy rules that caused us to do that, those weren't new. I can take you to the scripture I just did in Luke chapter 4. And I can show you one instance. That's the only one I can find where Jesus practiced the Sabbath. But I can take you to the scriptures and show you a whole bunch of examples where Jesus um, did some things that the Pharisees thought, you're breaking the Sabbath, and they went after him and he pushed back. Lots. I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 2. And three, it's at the end of chapter two and it spills into verse three because there's some important stuff here that I think we have to grasp if we're going to ever consider in reinserting a Sabbath back into our life. Uh, the disciples of Jesus were walking along with him. They were by a wheat field. They reached down and pulled some wheat off of the, some stalks so they could chew on him a little bit. The Pharisees saw that and said, That's work. We define that as work. You aren't keeping the Sabbath. Why are you so lax with your disciples? Why don't you care about the stuff of God? And Jesus pushes back against that. He says this to them in verse 27 of Mark chapter 2. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He goes on and says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's like, I think I know what the Sabbath is for, having made it. Like, I think I have a pretty good idea of this. And you guys have it backwards. I made Sabbath as a gift to you. It was a gift. So even though it was put in a commandment form, I was was asking you to do this so that you would understand how good life is. That you would have time for me this, this was a good thing that you were supposed to do. And you guys, you guys have turned this into an obligation. And you've made it such a bad obligation that now all you do is pour rules down everybody's throat. It was made for us. Not us to keep it. It's completely backwards. And then Jesus does something um, that makes me love him. He um, he understands that they are watching to see if he's going to make any more mistakes. And he does what I saw um, my grandson do at Christmas time. Um, we had our grandkids in, and my wife likes to do uh, crazy stuff with them that they could never do at their own home. And Heather, their mom, doesn't care as long as it's at our house. So let me give you an idea of how crazy this is. Okay, so uh, the kids are there and Tracy takes this big roll of paper and rolls it across the whole living room. She gets out paint and then lets them start painting all over this thing. They're going crazy. Like, and everybody knows where this is going, right? This is not gonna end well. This is why you don't do this in a home because this is going to go everywhere and Heather knows it, but she doesn't care. It's not her home. So if she, if, if Tracy wants to do this, she's going to let her do it. It's going crazy. The whole thing is now full of paint, heavy, thick paint. It's everywhere. And something happens. I think our granddaughter accidentally steps in the paint and we all laugh. Laughing is fun unless it encourages a four-year-old to do the same thing, which is, which he's, he concluded, Oh, If it's fun to walk in the paint, I'm walking in the paint. And he gets up and he starts walking in the paint, which is a little funny until he starts to get to the edge of the paint. And then everybody, everybody goes, no, 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 no. Right? You're gonna step off. You're gonna get that on the carpet. You're gonna get it down on the floor. Let us go get something so that we can clean your feet off. And so he stops for a second. They're walking back to him with the things that would clean his feet off. And he looks like he's gonna take a step off, and they said, "No, no, no," which, honestly, he's four years old, and you just told him not to do something. I'm 54, and I have that problem, right? But this is what he did, right? Here, here's like the edge of the paper that he's on. I, this is exactly what he did. It was hysterical to me. He went like this. He dangled his foot above the rug. Right? Just, just like that. And everybody went, no, 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 no. So he did this. <laughs> I knew that was wrong. Right? I'm trying not to laugh. I'm, I mean, he's got to stop that. He's got to stop the little rebellion thing. But there's part of him in there that I don't want that to go away. Because there will be a day in his life somewhere down the line where he's going to have to stand up to somebody who says, don't do this thing that he knows is right to do. And he's going to have to do it anyway. So I want to encourage that sort of thing but in in a way that makes sense. But I'm trying not to laugh. And yet um, what I find in the scriptures is Jesus is about to pull that kind of moment. He knows they're looking for him to make a mistake on the Sabbath. So what he does is he gets a guy to stand up who's got a crippled hand, can't move it. Why did he do that? Because the Pharisees taught that you couldn't heal on the Sabbath because that was working. And Jesus looked at them in front of a crowd of people and said, is it better for God's name if I leave this man crippled or if I heal him right now? What do you guys say? woo they're not saying anything because they're in a no-win situation. If they say, you definitely should heal them because that would be good in the name of God, then they're going to break their own rules. And their own rules were really important. And in their silence, Jesus looks at the guy and says, extend your hand. He does, he does this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? They do nothing. His point was, your rules have been constructed so that you can have power and that you can pretend that you're keeping them so that you look good. But it does nothing for the name of God. And I'm going to stand up and do what I know is right despite your crazy rules This still keeps the Sabbath. I know what I'm doing. Just so you understand, this is early in his ministry. And in verse 6 of chapter 3, it records that the Pharisees went out from there and decided we have got to find a way to kill this man. That's how important their rules and their power structure was. And Jesus stood up and said, I'm not having it. I'm not going to do this anymore. Your rules justify your power. I'm rejecting those. The, the problem in our culture was that when churches started laying force Started laying all these crazy rules on people. Instead of people pushing back and saying, No, this is good, I'm not going to practice that way, what happened is we flushed the whole Sabbath right out of the system. And we now run at a pace with our lives where our attention gets drained by everything around us, we're exhausted, full of anxiety. And we're surprised that this has happened. Maybe it hasn't dawned on you yet, but God created you for these intervals of rest. They were made, you were made for this. Uh, Band, if you're here, I want you to come up. Um, I, I want you to understand that even God practiced Sabbath I have, I've believed for a long time, I've even taught in the past, that the reason I thought that happened was that God was modeling that for us. I don't believe that anymore. I think that's wrong. I believe God practiced Sabbath, worked six days creating, and then rested because it's in His character to do so. That's who He is. That He realizes that producing all the time isn't where value is. That enjoying Rest and relaxation and the goodness of what he made was a good thing to do. And so he practiced it himself because that's who he is. And I think there could be value in us finding a way to join him, of reestablishing a Sabbath in our lives where we make God and his goodness and the good things that he's given to us central to our practice again, how do you do that? You're never going to believe what I'm about to say. I think you need to come up with a set of rules for your practice of Sabbath. Now, I'm saying that because you have to figure out what actually allows you to connect with God and not. Do you know the things that you do that that stir a connection between you and God? If you do, those should be on your Sabbath day. Do you know what you do that engages you with the relationships in your life? That like really good moments happen when you do those things. Those should be on your Sabbath day. Do you know what you do to rest? What refills your bucket? If you don't know what that is because you've been going at a pace and a pace and a pace and a pace, and you don't even have any understanding of what that is, how do you structure a Sabbath day? You've got to figure it out. Uh, My wife and I have had this practice in the past before I made bad decisions that drug us away from this. And we found some stuff that works for us. Um... We like to keep the meal easy. Some people like big meals on that day. We like to keep it easy because we don't like cleaning up afterwards. So I make pizza on Friday night and I make it perfectly. I'm not joking. I know how, I know the exact temperature, the right place in the stove, how long to leave it in there. So the crust is perfect. It is fantastic. We'll eat that pizza. We'll shut off screens. Um, Sometimes we'll turn a screen on. My wife uh, likes to laugh on that day. And so we'll watch some comedy. And I, I, I like to do it too because I like to see what in the world she thinks is funny. I like that made you laugh. That makes me laugh that that makes you laugh. Right. That's crazy. We go to sleep. We get up late. I get up before her and I'll have my silent breakfast, man. I'll, I'll be quiet for 30 minutes eating praying just talking with God we have no projects planned I read it's one of the ways I connect with God my wife likes to walk some of you might like to go hiking go out for five mile hike in the middle of nowhere and others are thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard that can't be Sabbath no it might not be you might be sitting at home crocheting I don't know the goal is for you to figure out what refuels your tank, what focuses your, your heart on God and to do those things uninterrupted. Put down the phones. Put away the screens for a session of that. Give God your attention. Let him refill your heart. This is who you were made to be. And God is waiting for an experience for you to figure out what you have to do. And then, and then do this. This is the second thing that's really important. Don't expect anybody else to do what you do. Like, tell them about the value that you found in taking a day of rest. But help them discover what they have to do to engage with God. What do they have to do so that they can have that experience where they're experiencing good things from God's hand. Don't make your rules somebody else's. You're just using it so you know exactly what you need to do to structure your day. My friends, our, our culture values production And if you want to stand apart, you will step into a place where you will understand that you are simply valued because God loves you. And that may be enough of motive and reason for you to consider finding a way to reinsert this idea into your life. I'm going to rest I'm going to enjoy God's goodness. I'm going to enjoy God's presence. I'm going to enjoy my family. I'm going to enjoy my friends. I am going to enjoy the goodness of life that God gives. Why? Because you're loved. I hope you'll think about that as you listen to this song.